Guru Nation, welcome to episode 496 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, I interview Daniel Nadal. He's the president of two companies, actually. The first one is ClinSearch, and the second one is Next Phase Research. We talk about both of them, as well as his background. Uh, we definitely had a lot to discuss, so there will definitely be a part two, and maybe even a three, and who knows how many, because there's a lot and this is an inspirational entrepreneurial story of somebody who got started in clinical research on accident almost, founded an SMO, pivoted a few times, was a study broker, uh, and now has two very successful businesses and uh, is looking to grow and to expand. And he's a good person to get to know. His links are in the show note as well. And then speaking of the show notes, we have my Patreon channel only five bucks a month with a monthly mastermind we're at 40 people as of the date of this podcast so once we get to 50 people we're gonna do two masterminds every month to get to know one another to network to help one another achieve our business and career objectives and it's like i said only five dollars a month patreon.com slash also in the show notes we have both the cra and crc academies now enrolling for our April classes. Both are starting in the second week of April. Uh, And then if you need studies for your site or anything like that, we discuss a little bit about what I do in this episode too. Just text me 949-415-6256. I appreciate all your support. Looking forward to hearing your feedback from this episode and catch you later. Bye-bye. Hello, Guru Nation. Welcome to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I've got Daniel Nadal. He's got a great name. So hi, Daniel. How's it going? Great first name and great last name. He's the CEO at Next Phase Research and another company called ClinSearch. We're going to learn all about your career, Daniel. We're going to we want Guru Nation to be inspired because Here's how this interview came about. I interviewed Carla, who was super inspirational. A lot of people commented on her video. And then she said, guys, she told me, if you think I'm inspirational, you should see Daniel. You should really interview Daniel and hear his story. So I was like, oh, okay, I think I know Daniel. And we, we've been connected for a while. We probably met before. Uh, but it's great to finally have like an actual conversation with you. Daniel, so welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. Unfortunately, having to follow Carla's is going to be a little hard. It's going to be hard it's for me. Tough. To press it's tough. It's tough. I mean, how do you go from receptionist to like such a busy phase one site uh, CRO monitoring service owner? You're turning down projects. Um, but she said that, you know, your story is super inspirational also. So we would like to share some of that inspiration with everybody watching and listening, because maybe there's a Daniel somewhere watching right now in Iowa and they're like, Oh, there you go. Give me back and do this too. So welcome, Daniel. Thank you for very much for your time. Thank you for having me, brother. Can you give us like a brief background, you know, how you got started what made you look at research in the first place? And then we'll kind of move into next phase and clean search. Of course. Uh, well, my family has been in medicine since I've been a kid. You know, I was probably 13, I think, when my family got into cl- the clinics and stuff like that. So I always had the background. 
Um, I guess I shouldn't say this in public, but I was never very good at school. I never liked school. Amazing. <laughs> so, well, th- th- that, that's how my family got me to shape up, you know, and I decided that I was smart enough to drop out. They're like, all right, you're going to get your GED at least, go to college, and you're going to go work for your aunt. So it all started there. I worked at a clinic. I was basically a receptionist. You know, I was wow. you know, a bunch of uh, older patients. Um, honestly, that's where it started. You know, honestly, how I got into research is about five years later uh, in my aunt's clinic, uh, there was a gentleman that came and proposed research to her. So we had no idea what this research stuff was. You know, it was kind of like um, it, it came out of left field. Uh-huh. So as we started seeing what it entailed, honestly, it just lit a fire on me from right off the bat. I'm like, hold on a second, what? Like, this Where is was this clinic, Miami? It was in Miami. It was, it's actually called, it, people confuse it with the hospital. It was called Larkin Medical Center. Um, because when she opened it, she was partners with the owner of Larkin Hospital. <laughs> so long story short, they ended up not staying together. And then that, that's where I decided to be Mr. Slick and dropped out of high school. And then um, that's when the whippings began, basically. <laughs> Um, I learned a lot about the healthcare field. You know, uh, honestly, research was one of the few things where you're dealing with sick people. You know, I mean, mind you, obviously the trials I was involved in, you know, but COPD, diabetes, it, it's not your hospital units where you're, I'm not good at seeing over, you know, people that are sick with nobody to talk to. Uh, I did study respiratory therapy. I forgot to mention that before. Um, so drop out of school, get my first job. Dropped out of high school. Dropped out of high school. Yeah, 16 years of age. I I, I kind of dropped out in kindergarten mentally. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's not that I didn't like learning. It's just school wasn't for me. It's the, a very the way they thought. It's exactly. a very common trait for entrepreneurs. Well, thank you. Just never thought of myself as one, but I guess. <laughs> um, but like, like I said, I mean, once I left school, my family didn't let, just let me sit on my butt. You know, like, hey, we'll get a job, and okay, you don't have a job, no, we got you one. Put me in there, learn all about the <laughs> billing codes and dealing with little old people that are. So this wrong. was a private practice or uh... private. Pra- uh, it, it was a clinic. Um, things have changed. Uh, it was called Larkin Medical Center. Okay. Um, yeah, so so it, it was just a PCP clinic. You know, nowadays the healthcare industry has changed a lot. It's all managed right. care and big groups. Back then there was a bunch of little you know private practices. Uh, but like I said, I mean, I I learned a lot. You know, the terminology. You work in something long enough, you get better at it. Uh, about two years after so wisefully dropping out, then I realized, hey, I actually like what I'm doing. I want to learn more about it. So I actually started studying respiratory therapy. Hmm. And once again, I didn't finish what I started because I went all the way to the end. And at the end is when they put me in the hospital. Well, when I had to do bronchoscopies with a pulmonologist and you know, hospice and things like that. But this entire time, no research yet. No research yet. Okay. Exactly. I, you know, I, I went all the way to the end. I dropped it. Um, I worked in pharmacies. I worked in an ALF. I kind of drifted along, you know, a bunch of dead end jobs, I guess you could say. It was no longer within the family. Okay. I kind of decided, hey, I want to go my own route. So long story short, about two years after that, I called my aunt, you know, tail between my legs, kind of like, hey, look, you know, I've tried to make my own way and I wish I could go back to school. So she told me, hey, come work with me. I mean, you know, I can't take you back to school, but I could teach you and you're going to learn from me what I do. So long story short. That's a good aunt, man. That's a good aunt. I I owe her a lot. Uh, (laughs) She actually owns an ACO now. So when the Affordable Care Organizations, she owns her own ACO. She when I got it, we got to get her on the show, too. 
Oh, you, 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 you let me know. She, she, she okay. loves to talk. <laughs> okay. Uh, she's probably the most, you know, inspirational story of them all, you know? Each she's... time it's Carla said, no, Daniel's more inspirational. Now Daniel said, no, my aunt is more inspirational. So we're going to get <laughs> all you guys on. To be honest, anybody could be an inspiration. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you, if you start doing for you. Yep. Anybody could be an inspirational sto- uh, story. Right. You know, it, it, it takes a big step to take the, I don't want to say financial independence, because before you get financial independence, you're going to be begging for loans and things like that but exactly Exactly. when it hits and and like i said i mean i it takes a while but if your work is good you're gonna be okay you know you're gonna be okay you're just gonna have to maybe put up with a year two three who knows everybody's story is different so basically your aunt uh, what's her name uh christina christina pertiera well she chris now because now she she went into the big corporate field and now she calls herself chris chris so chris uh your aunt basically said hey daniel come work for my clinic Exactly. And basically it was a huge clinic. I mean, we probably saw 40, 50 patients a day. It was very high paced. I was responsible for handling all the prior authorizations of Medicaid. Uh, I'd be the one writing the letters to FPNO. You can't cut these people's light. You know, they're on an oxygen machine. But less than a year uh, passed. And that's when I met the person who taught us research, you know? So when I first see him in the office and I see him there with the patients and this and that, and the patients leaving, they actually got a check and, you know, working in, in healthcare, if you don't know about research, you're kind of like, well, did you just give that patient a check? Are you out of your mind? You know? And he's like, no, yeah, it's part of a consent form and this and that. So automatically, I honestly I fell in love with research. I was like, hold on. So you can pay the doctor, you can pay the patient. It's all out in so the who open. was this guy? Some guy who integrated himself in your he, clinic? He went and talked to my aunt. He proposed the business of opening up the research in there that it could give her a lot of extra revenue. Uh-huh. So, you know, when I saw what research was about, I basically told my aunt, I'm like, hey, look, um, I'll, I want to do this. <laughs> so she goes, okay. You know, she's a businesswoman. She's like, okay, like, I'm not going to pay you a salary, but you go work for free. I had a lot of money saved. You know, like I had my money saved, but mind you, it's already been more than... 10 years almost. It's, it's been almost 10 years since I dropped out of high school. But by this point, like okay. I said, I, I, I took a lot of t- twists and turns and yeah. ended up back with her. So let's say about eight years after I dropped out. So I was 26. My kids were just born. I, I saw research as a career that I'm like, hey, this could be forever. I like it. You know what I mean? I'm very good at you know, whoever knows me says I'm a disaster, you know, mm-hmm. but like on my computer, everything is organized somehow, you know, when it comes to research, I've always been very detail oriented and things like that. Um, honestly, from there, you know, um, so we started the first year, uh, it was free, free of charge. So I'm, I'm going to make this part very long story short for you. I went from having about $80,000 saved with my ex-wife to child with autism, separated, divorced, end of the year, it wasn't going to work out. My, my research dream was kind of like, hey, this isn't going to work out. You know, within you know it is. Research takes time. Yeah, research yeah. takes time. Takes time. Even though back then it was, everything was a lot quicker, but I wasn't the boss. And, and I, I, I'm not an alpha. You know what I mean? Like, I really ain't an alpha. Like, I, I'd rather be part of the team. You know, I don't So at this time you were working still with this guy who came into with the your aunt's uh, facility? Exactly. So my aunt basically would bring in the doctors because she knew them all. Uh, this gentleman would bring the trials. I would do the work at his office, learn how to do so everything. Be the coordinator, basically. Exactly. And at the beginning, I think I was like third in line. Back then, it was paper CRFs, which I never forget. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember the first trials I had were all, um, you know, the best studies. Honestly, I, I wish there were more of them. Erectile dysfunction trials. The line of patients was like 
from here to like 10 blocks down the road. <laughs> Just, I want to be in, I want to be in. So it was kind of a, we did a lot of HIV. We did a lot of uh, erectile dysfunction with Pfizer and Levitra. Cause I remember that was one of my first trials, one of my first uh, monitoring visits. So, you, you know, that was a disaster. I was just starting and didn't know anything of what I was doing. And it showed, it showed. Luckily, <laughs> I learned a little bit since then. And now my monitors are a lot happy with my performance. Where, where was your CRA uh, very upset with you like they were with me on my first study? To be honest, the thing is that uh, I went from, like I said, I was third in line. So the guy had me basically doing EDC entries, which back then was you either had a laptop that Pfizer sent you for each yeah. individual trial yeah. or it was paper CRFs. So that lasted two weeks. The number one, in other words, not the owner, but the number one coordinator, he basically left two weeks after because he wasn't getting paid. Mm-hmm. About four weeks later, and this is all during Christmas break, number two, who was younger than me, but he had worked at a research facility, he left. So then came, and now everybody's going to get a kick out of this story. <laughs> this comes my D- Danny's, you know, Danny Bueller's day off only at work. So the owner's like, hey, look, I got to go to New York for a vacation. They had this Pfizer expanded access program for HIV and a Merck one. So mind you, I went from third where all I did was EDC. I didn't deal with IVRSs. I didn't know any of this. So all of a sudden, it's just me. So before he leaves, he's like, no, no, it's okay. It's open label. So it doesn't matter what bottle they get. So I'm there popping out bottles. I I think I'm doing my thing. I'm documenting everything. Hey, blood pressure, vitals. I got the weight. But when it comes time to give the bottles, I'm just handing out bottles because they're all open label. Wow. I'm thinking I'm a superstar. So when he gets back two weeks later, I'm there sitting. I'm like, I'm a big guy, you know, but somehow I was floating. <laughs> so I'm like floating. My ego's like, well, I'm too good at this. I'm just a natural. Bam. <laughs> the bomb dropped really quick. Uh, we started realizing, because mind you, he's like, well, you know, where, where's the IVRS confirmation? Like, IV what? Uh, IV what? Big time. But it was open label, so everybody was getting the same thing, right? Thank God. Yeah, it was all Thank open God. label. They were expanded yeah. access programs, to be honest. I don't even think they paid. The, the wow. doctor with a whip, she loved. She was one of the like the top HIV specialists in all of Miami. She still is, I think. Wow. Um, great doctor, Dr. Raven. She was like amazing. That woman was like a wealth of knowledge. Mind you, my wow. aunt had HIV patients, you know, but I never really understood the phenotypes too well until yeah. I did the research. And then you'd see how the phenotypes would change. You know, this medication works today, but patient yep. missed a couple of doses and all the phenotype don't work. So you really so, learned the hard way then, because that reminds me a lot of me when I started, too. It's like we had psychiatry studies oof. and I was learning everything on the fly, too. And we had a we had an inpatient study and we sent we drew I drove the psychotic patient in my car thinking that he's going to like choke me out while I'm driving him. <laughs> Mino, you know, he's looking at you thinking the same thing. He's looking at me thinking the same thing. So we drop him off at the hospital and then I go back to the office to go. I do the. I actually did it right on the IWRS, but nice. I, this was worse than you. I did it. That part I did right. So I got the right drug. We're double blind. So it could be placebo. I didn't know. Of course. And then I go to the hospital, give to the nurse. Right. And the nurse is a different nurse. So she's like, well, I don't know, understand the research, so just give it to the patient. So I, I left him an entire week supply. Okay, Ouch. this was really stupid. And luckily he didn't he didn't take any of them, but the psychiatrist called me pissed. Like you left this guy entire week, he could have like really hurt himself. Relapse. And we had to break the blind. It was placebo, thank God. But he didn't even take any, but I learned like the, the hard way, like okay. Yeah. I did it right. 
but then I should have left with a nurse, not leave with the patient. Exactly. And uh, geez, uh, yeah, that just gave me some flashbacks there. Well, what I was going to tell you, I mean, there's only one way to learn, and that's every time you mess up. I tell people all the time, I get to eat you and do it for you a million times, so you don't mess up, <laughs> and you got to figure out how hard it is to, like, you know, fix issues and look yeah. files. Yeah, yeah. That's Perfect you example. Your case, you messed up because you didn't do IWRS. In my case, I did IWRS. I still messed up. Somebody else could have messed up on another place. It's just impossible to predict exactly. where you can make the mistake. And to be honest, if you don't make mistakes, that's when the FDA is like, okay, where's, you know, God, Jesus, <laughs> Muhammad. I mean, nobody's perfect. Exactly. You got five patients in a rush to get out of there. Exactly. You're, you're going to mess up on something. You know, it's just, it's not, it's not ape. It's what, you know? Crazy. So basically you started learning and then what happened? The, this guy, the business owner, what happened? Did he leave? Did he stay? No, it's actually the opposite. I had to leave because then, oh, like I said, I, well, life has a way of throwing different curveballs at you at the same time. So I was kind of getting hit by the back, the front, you know, it was just a lot of blows coming at once. So, um, so I actually had to leave because then him and my aunt had a kind of falling out. There were two alpha, there were two alpha wolves. And I'm like, all right, we're not making money. I've been working for free for a year. Oh, so he was not able to turn a profit? Well, remember, he he had his own company that was turning a profit. Oh, so he was was working for free. Yeah, he was making plenty of profit. And don't get me wrong, I'm appreciative. I mean, if it wasn't because I learned from him, hey, look, I I, I took my bites. And everybody on this chat, if you ever take this path, you're going to get fit too. It's almost the same story I had. I mean, even that part, you know. Because every story is similar. You know, at the end of the day, whatever you're doing, whether you're a baseball player or research coordinator, there's going to be people trying to step on you. You know, it's never, it's like the stock market. It never goes like that. You always have that. You know, similarities are all there. Like the exactly, exactly. But uh, long story short, so I actually left. Um, I started working for a silver wholesaler, believe it or not. I was just looking for any job. You know, I was like, I was divorced, living in my sister's ladybug room. I think she tried to get on the call earlier, Victoria. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Sorry, when I got Victoria. divorced, I ended up, yeah, <laughs> I inherited her ladybug room. So imagine me, I'm six feet tall on a twin-sized bed full of ladybugs all over the wall. <laughs> Traumatizing experience, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, but long, long story short, uh, you know, again, I, I just stayed doing, I stayed working as a silver wholesaler. It was a dead-end job, but I, I didn't have a way of getting back into the research. You know, I, I didn't know the doctors myself or have the confidence in myself, really, was more about it. Because honestly, nowadays, I'll walk into any doctor's office and, I mean, you know your research. If you talk to a doctor and explain it to them right, not a lot of doctors are going to say no. You know what I mean? And it's interesting as long as they have the cap- capabilities to run the trial. You know, you, you got to tell them the good with the bad. You can't just tell them they're going to be millionaires. You got to show them the regulatory binder and be like, you see this? Yeah. <laughs> we got six of these, <laughs> you know, but um, long story short. So, like I said, I stayed at the Silver Wholesaler. About a year, I got with my new girlfriend. Believe it or not, I started like studying at Fast Train, which is like a compute computation school. Bad mistake, because if you're not working on it day to day, all this coding, you're lost. Yeah. Um, but I got my girlfriend. She had three jobs. So I was like, yeah, I can't be a deadbeat forever. Like, what is it? <laughs> like, I can't have her out hustle me. You know what I mean? She still hustles me to this day. Uh, but long story short, I called the same gentleman that taught me research. And I'm like, hey, look, uh, to be honest, I actually called him because I had found a job. It wasn't even a job. It was a contractor type thing. You remember the POS machines? I mean, they still got them. All the nightclubs, all the restaurants, yeah. the credit cards. So I knew a lot of people. I'd go to the businesses. Hey, man, do you mind if I put it there? And you'd get like 0.00001 of like a tenth of a cent. 
So that's really why I called them was to see if Dr. Raven, I knew she took credit cards. I was like, hey, but you get a POS machine there, you know, $40 here, 70 there. It adds up. Uh, long story short, he's like, oh, I'm looking for a coordinator. So I go over there all excited. You know, I go over there with the credit card machine thing, but I'm actually thinking more about the research. So, so the same guy, the same guy, same guy, same guy. So I worked free the first year. So, so this was a year later, a year later after you left? a year and a half later, I want okay. to say like a year and uh, close to two years, you know, like, like a year and a half, let's say. Okay. Um, so then, you know, he looks down on his piece of paper. He's like, I don't know how much you retained and da, 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 nine bucks an hour. I was like, give it to me. Like, <laughs> I'll take it. You know what I mean? Like I told him, you know, Hey, the last time I was here, I did it because I wanted to open up a business. I'll take the nine bucks an hour, you know, and, he gave me everything to do, you know, which I'm glad because it's the only way you learn. You know, I kicked my butt. We worked on a lot of Novartis trials. He was huge with Novartis. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're good monitors, bad monitors. bad monitors. But um, long story short, to be honest, it was my second chance at the beginning that I wanted before. I mean, obviously, nobody leaves their job to work for free for a year and live off their savings. So, this time I, I, I took the bull by the horns. I, I took what I retained the first time around and I made sure that there was no looking back. And to be honest, I never did look back. You know, I, um, within three months, he bumped me up to 12 bucks an hour, you know, and I was his site director because he had like some blood pressure issues, like literally okay. blood coming out of his eyes. It was insane. Wow. So instead of 12 bucks an hour, um, I opened up, uh, our first site, you know, it was, it was not next phase. It was, it was my first site with, with a pulmonologist. Um, took off from there, you know. Honestly, we lasted about two years together, me and the pulmonologist. He opened, he started getting into stem cells, which was a huge business. I remember we were talking about that earlier. He was one of the innovators. Uh, actually, his wife goes around Dubai, all these places, giving presentations. That's how long he's been doing it. So I kind of found myself where. Well, wow, great. We built this business up and now here we are a year and a half later and we're kind of finishing these trials and the doctor wants to go to his, you know, who am I to stop him? You know what I mean? He's, he's got his own ideas. He spent, I think, a quarter of a million dollars on equipment. So it, long story short, we just basically let it go. I started working at another place and that's when I got bit, you know, bad partnership idea. I, I wasn't experienced. I didn't know what sweat equity was. <laughs> So, so they offer you. So this other site you went to, they offered you a percentage. Equity. Yeah, a percentage. And basically, you know, me being the idiot that I am, I was constantly like, "Hey, you don't need to give me that much percentage. Use this money to hire this." And really? wanted to build wow. something. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to build something. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I could be good, but honestly, at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to limit your growth is as good as you are. If you try to run ten trials, you're stuck with ten trials. You're not going to be able to do eleven or twelve or twenty or take the next leap unless you have. The team around you you know what i mean right. so I, I was kind of focused on that and that's kind of when i learned the lesson where it was kind of like oh you kind of leave yourself vulnerable when you're not on the actions o always worry about your shares don't worry if you're mm -hmm. the president secretary worry about your shares long story short they found the cheaper solution <laughs> and i'm not one to overstay my welcome and that's when i decided to start originally uh, clean search before starting with the with the biobanking and all that when it first started in 2012 was more of a brokering type of company you know so i would basically do brokering but what ends up happening is for one you know if, if i can't trust you uh, i'm not going to be sending attorneys to send you letters or i'm not going to be hounding you for one form of tough, tough business 
Yeah, pharmaceutical companies don't want you crying that somebody didn't pay you for a trial and I wasn't going to ruin my shot with them. So I ended up making good friends in the business, you know, like, like people that started like clients and now honestly, they're like family. You know, most of my clients have been with us since the beginning. You know, my, the, the whole reason we were able to grow in Texas is because of Mohammed. He's my right hand there. And he was one of the ones that would tell me, hey, hey, thanks. I got this trial, man. And this and that. I met this other doctor and this other doctor, they all know you. And I'm like, it's funny. They never sent me a check or even told me anything, you know? Wow. So basically the, this bro, you were doing a brokerage, uh, like a study broker for site. exactly flat and, fee one, you know, it was 2,500. I mean, honestly, think about yeah. it. That's how absurd that price was back then. And people would still rip you off, you know, cause 2,500 for that, for me was a lot, you know, cause I was, so when did you pivot? When did you pivot and realize, well, I could do more than? Didn't take me long. Uh, local, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, local, local people started reaching out, and I'm like, you know what? Like, how how can I cut, not stay in control? Because it's not my, it, it wasn't my site. You know what I mean? But I started doing consulting. Hey, look, I mean, this is what you need. This is what you need to have. Here's a list. This is what your doctor needs. You know what I mean? Okay, send me your doctor. Say, okay, perfect, good. This doctor's good. This doctor's not. And honestly, word of mouth, I. You never see us advertising. Like I was telling you earlier, ClinSearch has been open since 2012. And next phase came into, into our lives and, and it was a different idea. So although I always kept my original ClinSearch clients, it, it was never my, it, you always see me wearing a next phase shirt, basically. You know what I mean? Because the, the SMO side, um, next phase came to be because a lot of people start calling you, you know, and it, it ends up becoming a point where you realize that not everybody that calls you is the right client. So you kind of so basically like, you got all these people calling for ClinSearch looking exactly. for a cheap study broker. Well, not anymore because now it's the consulting. Oh, okay. Consul okay, yeah. gotcha. Consulting. And then you realize, well, there's only so many I can actually service because there's exactly. only 24 hours in a day. So why exactly. don't I do an SMO? And then you started the exactly. And then I had good friends that, uh, for instance, uh, Ashley Zarilla, he, he knows Carla because I think they worked together at the phase ones when they first started. So uh, he was at one of the sites I worked with and I'm like, come on, man. Like, what are you waiting for? Like, come on. Like, you're on the wrong side, you know. Uh, long story short, I, fi I, I finally suckered him, my sister. I was finally able to sucker a bunch of people to join my crazy crusade. <laughs> wow. And so what does ClinSearch do now in respect to... Next phase of research. Can you exactly. kind of give us both like an exactly. SMO? We understand. I want to get into the SMO too. But what does ClinSearch do uh, today? To be honest, what we're doing is we're reaching out to local physician offices and basically we're buying samples from them, whether it's sputum, because it, it depends on who's buying the samples from me, from, from the company. I see. So they could be sputum. They could be people. I have a client. I have a client for you. We, Chris and I, you know, we do a consulting. We help sites get studies for a monthly fee. Nice. So, yeah. We have like sites pay us 1300 a month. We get them studies, do their budgets, great price. any studies, but we, we apply. So every three months they usually get on average one, but sometimes nice. we'll get random people calling the other week. Somebody called about, we need blood samples for a cancer. So I'll, I'll uh, introduce. Perfect. Them. Awesome. Awesome. That's, uh, that's, I mean, again, how you grow is by helping each other out. You exactly, know what I mean? Exactly. Just remind <laughs> but, um, me. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, but I mean, and then we opened up next phase, went to the first D, uh, uh, like I said, we were good. Our, our clients, they learned to trust us at the beginning, obviously like pulling teeth, especially when you work with one of these big managed care providers, because 
it's very competitive. So the last thing they want is their patients, you know, they get paid on a capitation basis or whatnot. So the last thing they want is their patients going to any other office. So at the beginning, it was like pulling teeth, but then they started realizing, hey, these guys aren't here to rip me off. You know, we make everybody money. You know, we always tell people, I want to make you a millionaire so I could be a hundred thousand there. I get 10 of you. I'm a millionaire too. You know what I mean? Like people love that, you know? So, so is that, is that your pitch? So let's, let's, I guess let's talk about next phase because I'm, I'm always trying to perfect the pitch and I don't, I'm not an SMO, so I don't approach, but, it, but the approaching physician is the same thing, no matter if it's SMO or you're going to partner with them, whatever. At the end of the day, it's the same thing. How do you typically approach a doctor or is it that they approach you first? That's exactly what I was going to tell you. To be honest, every single one of our clients has been word of mouth. Our Vegas clients are, because wow. what happens, you start working with one managed care provider and they go to their conferences, just like we go to ideas and our bios. Yeah. You go to their conferences and they talk to each other. And when they're onto something good, you know, luckily for us, knock on wood, you know what I mean? They consider us good. <laughs> so you found, you found your niche then with next phase through managed care, partnering yeah. with managed care. Exactly. So these are what large medical practice explain just groups. One yeah, minute, groups. What's a managed care? Like yeah. So, so, so for instance, uh, nowadays in healthcare, there's a lot of HMO involvement and basically what they're doing is they're doing managed care. So they're trying to keep the patients from going to the hospitals. And I mean, I'll, I'll explain what little I know, because since I'm on the research field, yeah. I, I more or less get a grasp, but I'm not too familiar with right, it. Right. Instance, they'll get capitation. So let's say it's $1,000 just to throw a number out there. Every patient you have on your plan is $1,000. I don't have to see you to get that $1,000. Now, it's managed care. So for them, it is a little tricky because sometimes all our, all our trials is like, well, take them off their metformin, you know, or take them off this and put them on this or placebo. So that part gets a little complicated, but, but like I said, I mean, once a doctor reads the protocol and understands what he's really doing, the most important thing is to have a doctor that wants to be involved, you know, because no, no matter how big the group is, if the doctor is not involved, you're not going to get any leeway. You're not going to be able to right, find the right. patients. You're going to run into a bunch of red tape. Right, um, right. So basically, uh, that's literally how we started. We were fortunate. To, our first managed care was actually me and my sister's pediatrician when we were kids. <laughs> he's got a huge wow. group. Yeah, he's got a huge group. They actually opened up a phase one and everything now. Um, so that was our first managed care group. And then from there, the owner of that group talked to us, you know, uh, talked to the owners of another group in the area. They contacted us. And to be honest, it's it, it, it's kind of grown from there. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I wish there were all success stories. We have uh, my Vegas side. It's you see that you see what's missing there. That's <laughs> that's all Vegas. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's, it's not all successes, you know, but at the end of the day, Hey, even when it's a disaster, you show your face, you're there and you fix the things that you can, you know, and the CRO is going to appreciate that you're doing the best you can. Um, in addition to obviously the SMO clients, I mean, there are consulting clients, you know, if somebody's going to get an audit, okay, I'll be more than happy to go check your files. You know what I mean? But it's going to cost you. So you, you don't, know? you don't, um, so you do chart, you do have pricing model for people that are not part of your SMO. Exactly. I mean, to be honest, little by little, especially with the whole biobanking and all that, that time that we've had for that has kind of gotten. But honestly, I mean, I finally got back in contact with Carla. So I think we already figured out. Carla with you know? the phase one. So who's your client for the biobanking? Is it drug company like sponsored? There's a few of them. I mean, we've worked with Ice Specimen. We've worked with uh, Science 37. We've worked with so many companies. Oh, okay. We've worked with a bunch of different companies already. Um, you know, we had sites in, in, in Eastern Europe a while back. Wow. 
that that's how we first got started. Uh, we had a hospital. It's in Kiev. It was basically like the national oncology center of all of the Ukraine. That was our first like lucky pitch. You know what I mean? Like wow. we had another partner. He moved over to another company now, um, but he was from there. So luckily for us, he was able to get our foot in the door with the Eastern European Medical Board and. That's how we got into the biobanking, honestly. I mean, the samples were so good that the people that were buying the samples from us were like, hey, were you, they only have to be 70%, uh, you know, cancer. But then our doctors from over there, the samples were like 99%, 98% of the actual tissue was cancerous. Wow. You know, so from there, it just grew and more clients have come in. You know, obviously, there's a lot of confidentiality. There's other names that I'm not allowed to say. Right. So I'm just saying what I am allowed to say. So these to. business models are completely different. But yeah. you're able to, I guess, manage them both. Uh, two teams. Two, two separate teams? Exactly. It's the only way to do it. You know, I mean, it, yeah. clinical research is not a nine to five Monday through Friday job. You right. know, I, I know for me, nine to five is me on site, you know, helping, checking files and stuff. And then once you get home, you got to start networking. So with next phase, are you actually on the ground, like doing the coordinating work still yeah. and all that stuff? In, 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 for instance, in Las Vegas, they they hire the coordinators. But for instance, with, with, with the group that we mentioned earlier, Cano, it's our coordinators. Our pediatrician homestead is our coordinators. If we could get started, if we could restart, you know, obviously we've learned things that we did wrong and things that we did right along the way. I mean, to be honest, with, with the big groups, it's probably the best way to do it. Just because the patients are there, you know, like what does the pharma want? Here it is. We have it. Here's this group. You know, you got to so take you're, care of you're it. You're hiring the coordinators, basically. Exactly. Exactly. But now uh, there are, um, like, like I was saying, in, in Tampa, basically my site handles all their, they, they, they hire their own staff. We just come and we teach, you know, whoever their site director is and their coordinators, hey, this is how we do it. We generate the sources. I see. Yeah. it's what it, in it, your? Because Chris and I were talking about this before, but we decided because we own uh we own like a handful of our own sites they're all independently owned perfect and then all these leads we get from youtube you know we have a consulting service for them like a flat fee every month exactly no percentage nothing else just flat fee every month we're trying to grow our site network we're always concerned if we this is why we didn't go the smo route and i wanted to get your thoughts on this because number one I was worried the SMOs had a bad reputation for a while. It's coming back in favor now. So that's yeah. probably good for you. That's number one. Number two, I was always worried if I'm not there, if I don't have a presence, the doctors are going to figure it out and they're going to cut me out of the picture. Those two things kept me from pursuing the SMO route. What, yeah, do you, I, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, to be honest, you know, I tell everybody always, I'm like, you got to look at everybody like they're going to rip you off in the long run, unfortunately, you know what I mean? So right. enjoy the ride while it's there, because why am I going <laughs> to not make money now worrying about what he's going to do to me two years from now? I see. Here's number so, two. so basically you just basically say, look, I already expect this to happen. So I'm just going to do it. I I right how is it? Expect the worst, you know, but, but hope for the best. Okay. You know, but because honestly, I mean, I, I hope my kids are doing business with their kids. Right. 30 years from now it's what i hope for but the sad reality is that there's a million of us you know what i mean yeah. and everybody's constantly knocking on those doors so at the end of the day you got to be prepared and and know what's to come now having said that yeah the doctor might leave you but do you think the doctor's going to do as good without you as with you because i've no. been ripped off 
they Once won't. But that's that's not enough to. But they don't know that, and that's enough to break your business. They up. find out quick. <laughs> they they find out quick. Trust me. Do they, do they come lasts. back to you? Do they come oh, back? Six months later, yeah. When when they owe you money and they're all with the tails between the legs, and you're like, okay, yeah, pay me, and I'll be more than happy to. Re- so now, so now you can renegotiate more favorable terms. Well, first things first, pay what you back owed because I'm not making a new deal with somebody that hasn't paid their old one. You I know see. what I mean? I and and I, I don't necessarily look at it as an opportunity to change the deal I have with you. If I had a percentage with you and we agreed on it and you didn't pay me that, I'll be more than happy to work with you moving forward at the same percentage. Wow. You pay me the one you owe me. You know, like I said, to be honest, when you deal with the larger groups, they're not... They're not nickel and diming you, you know, like, like when I started doing the brokering, I did because, you know, you got a lot of mom and pop research, which slowly but yeah. surely, as you can see, especially with virtual trials and things like that, they're not going to be around in 10 years. Right. You know? It's right. either first or you're going to be out of the picture. That's actually one piece of advice that I'll give everybody on the podcast, you know, get yourself virtual certified, make sure you're first in line before IQV Insinius. Because they, they're already on the race. I saw Icon today was sending out decentralized trial questionnaires. They're all in it. Well, I mean, I think, I think that's going to coexist, though, with the traditional trials. Well, hybrids. But but again, remember, with the hybrids, they're only going to need one PI in Pensacola. So if you're in Tampa, they'll pay yeah. you for referral. But here's the thing, Daniel. I guess we can talk about that, too. Um, this whole thing, this whole idea that you only need one PI in a region because the patients you're going to somehow magically get the patients and then the patients are going to like, that's the problem is the patients, the, where are they going to get the patient patients? Don't just go to strange doctors. They don't know what research is. They go to their own doctor and their own doctor is never going to refer a patient to another doctor. Even if you sign a million form saying we will not steal your patient, they're not going to do that. The only problem is that pharma has all the money in the world. And let's face it, any problem can be fixed on money. So they'll figure it out. They got Markin. Mm. What was the company? Um, you, you had mentioned another one. Markin. Catalan, I think you had mentioned. Catalan is the logistics and all that. There you uh, go. So, logistics. So, Viva. So, so, yeah, so it's pretty simple. If you think about it, look, okay, so I hire the nurses that live in Pensacola. Because mm. let's say the doctor's in Tampa. I got the nurse already that's going to handle the work there. The pharmacy, I call a local pharmacy. You want to make an extra $150? Just look at your budget, right? The breakdown. And just think of all the things you won't get paid for. Now, that's the negative if you look at it that way. But now if you look at the positive, but now multiply times 100 or 150 because you're not going to have a patient in Key West from Tampa. You know what I mean? So it's going to be a learning process. Yeah. COVID just expedited all these processes. I think 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 these two things coexist in parallels. Um, I don't think traditional trials are going to get displaced by this. I think they're going to be able to do studies they wouldn't have done otherwise using this model. Because yeah, like oncology. Yeah, because how are you going to get a patient in Key West to even consider doing a research study with a doctor that they don't know? Because they're yeah. they're going to go to their doctor and their doctor is going to say, no, nah, I don't think you should do that. Yeah. And it even happens when you see the big like CROs, like in Miami, I know Sinius has a phase one where Carlo was at. I know IQVA has centers outside of the phase ones. I would have to guess that the mom and pop sites probably have an easier time of finding those patients than the big groups, you know, just because, yeah, there's nobody. It's it's like I always say, you know, uh, Mr. Etna, I know there's not a Mr. Etna, but you can do a collection trial and Mr. Etna is not going to look through his database to get to that patient. Who's going to do it? They're not. They're not. And exactly. So, yeah, it's to me, maybe I'm wrong, 
But pharma, the way pharma sees this is like you just said, we've got money. Which doctor is yeah. going to say no to money? But look, these doctors who treat their patients in these community clinics, if they're not doing the research, they're not referring patients. Exactly. And so then if let's say, let's say you get the best marketer in the world to reach these patients and the patients are interested in joining this virtual trial, the patients are going to ask their doctor, hey, should I do this? Their doctor's yeah. going to say, no, why would you? Yeah, exactly. And they'll listen to their doctors. Because I mean, the exactly. number one way to recruit is if the doctor can, believes in the product, the patients are going to follow them into the trial, you know? So I, I honestly think the best way to reduce disparities, get more, you know, we talk about this. You're a member of Latinos in Clinical Research. You're on the, you're a regular. Thank you for that. We got to get you to present, by the way. Thank you for, thank you for letting us join, for letting me join. Oh, are you kidding? You're going to present like in the fall. We, we're booked till the fall, but in the fall, like. I'm a hand model too. I don't know if you guys know I'm a hand model as well. Uh, it's a beautiful <laughs> hand, but, but. Uh, reducing disparities, all these things, getting more patients involved, raising the awareness that actually comes to fruition from what you're doing with your SMO, because you're on the ground going to different doctor, mom and pop. Hey, you should do this study. Here's what clinical research is. This is how you get more minorities involved. You go to the doctors treating those patients in those community. You don't just do a decentralized trial and say, okay, we're going to get all the patients from the Florida panhandle to join virtually because they love us. Yeah. It's going to be like, tough. You know, three, three zip, co- uh, three area codes away. That's not going to happen. I don't think. No. I, 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 and I definitely hope you're right. Because honestly, I mean, the only thing I could think of is like, they're trying to get us out of the way. You know what I mean? They are. They are. Now yeah. that doesn't mean pharma's not going to try. Of course. And I get your idea with cre- get yourself certified and all this stuff because whether they fail or succeed, they're spending money on this. Well, they and think about it. Well, take advantage of that. And half the trials, okay, so let's say that on, but you got to imagine at least half the trials moving, you know, maybe five years from now, half the trials are going to be either virtual or hybrid. You know, hybrid right. being like a model. Hybrid's a big thing. Hybrid's a real thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. And I love it's it. Complete, because Completely decentralized, not, I don't think is a real thing. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be tough too. The like, only the only way completely decentralized virtual works is for those patients that are like nerds that research everything latest treatment. They don't even ask their doctor and they'll look yeah, for these studies. But exactly. you and I both know that is like what? Less than 1% of patients. Yeah. Right? And nowadays all the medications that are coming out are injectables too. So patients are twice as scared. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like what? Or Asthma gene therapy. Or gene therapy. You know exactly I mean? exactly we got an acne trial now that's going to start up we just have the psv and it's an injectable i'm like mm-hmm. you know i mean mind you, most of the monoclonals are so at the beginning i'm kind of like you're going to get teenagers to want to inject themselves having said that i honestly don't think it's going to be as hard but nonetheless injections for acne right and see exactly right those those kids parents are going to be going to their pediatrician or their doctor and say hey you know uh, we we saw this study in a different place. What do you know about this? Their doctor is going to say, I don't know anything about that, but that's yeah. risky. That's yeah, I would never inject my kid without having to on a clinical trial. See, <laughs> that's what they'll the, say. That's going to be the problem like 99% of the time. So, yeah. uh, but hybrid is a very real thing. Yeah, and it's amazing. From a little bit, I've grasped out of yeah. it. To be honest, at the last DIA, well, I'm sure you went to too, it was 2019. San Diego? 
Yeah, San Diego, my favorite city. By the way, we were talking about earlier. It's it, it, it's my second favorite city behind my hometown. I mean, I basically live there. I'm in Orange County now. I'm gonna be oh. in Yuma, Arizona soon, and then eventually San Diego after that. So yeah. Nice. Well, you could always stay in Arizona and then have a nice little condo in San Diego. You know, we'll do both. Options. We'll do both. I haven't but- forgiven you guys though for getting rid of. Is it Anthony's Grotto? That was right there on the bay. The little restaurant mean? in the water. Oh, that place is gone. It's gone, yeah. Anthony's, but I think they may have another one because we, we looked for it. We wanted to throw a party there. Yeah, for the yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another restaurant, I think, that took over and it's a, like a tourist trap. Exactly, exactly. It, yeah. it is. It is. They it's remodeled. It's just for the view. Those places that are just like great views never have good food. Yeah, of course. Because they don't need to. You Anthony need one or the other. Though. You need great view or great food. Usually you don't need both because it costs too much. Well, Anthony's gives me good memories because I had the view and then the Dolphins beat the Chargers. Like, I think it was 31 zip a couple years ago. Oh, man. (laughs) So for me, it was like a win-win. The Chargers were my team till they moved. I know, but that sucks. They'll be back, man. They've already left. I'm a Niner fan now. So I've always been a Niner fan, but we're uh, not going to hold that against you. Yeah, it's okay. We, (laughs) we, We blew two Super Bowls in this last decade. Yeah, but you guys won four. Dolphins haven't won one in my whole lifetime, so I'm so suffering. (laughs) That's crazy. But, Daniel, we got to do definitely more, like a part two and a part three, because you got a lot. I mean, this was just just enough to get to where you currently are and talk a little bit about the future. But we got to have you on again when you have time to talk about your two businesses, like, in depth. Okay. what they do because that's like at least another hour for sure if not more <laughs> if not more and then definitely for latinos but i'm i'm thinking part two like soon like next week or the week after if you have time i'm very flexible so i mean okay. you, you got my number man we text back and forth yep yep I'm and next week carla i'm available too so. i'm glad carla put us in touch because i want to dissect the businesses and look into you know this was just to get people's beak wet Okay, this is exactly. like, look what Daniel's doing. You Now you hear it. I bring you guys other entrepreneurs. It's not just me all the time. You guys get bored from just my stories. Now you have Daniel's story, Carla stories, different entrepreneurs in the industry that are doing way better than me, by the way, like at their businesses. I so wish. It's good. It, it's good to bring them on and share their experiences and have conversations like we just did about decentralized trials. No, Daniel, I think it's going to be like this, but I do agree with you on this point. I think that kind of debate is good to have. And not just all you hear on LinkedIn is like from pharma, what they want, what they regurgitate. And then all the vendors and consultants echo what they say. And then that becomes they want those vendor accounts. (laughs) Exactly. And then that becomes the truth all of a sudden. And that's not the case. We're we're here in the, you know, in the trenches in real time. And and we can tell you that's not the case. That's a pipe dream uh, for the most part. So thank you, Daniel. I appreciate it. Thank I you gotta guys, jump man. on another Zoom, but we're gonna we'll set something up um, next week if you can, and sure. uh, I can't wait for that one. And thank you everybody for watching and listening. We're gonna have links to Daniel's LinkedIn in the show notes, so go thank click, you. follow him on LinkedIn, connect with him, go ask him questions like, "Hey, what <laughs> what are you talking about when you said this?" Uh, ask him things like that. Connect, network. And um, definitely we'll do this again, Daniel. Okay. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for you guys. For you guys. I'm mean, sorry about all the headaches earlier with the connectivity. Uh, no worry, though. It came out perfect. It's an instant classic. So thank you, there Daniel. You I appreciate it.
You you gotta you you gotta Arikale, you gotta dose the crazy little by little. So that's one. right. Titrate it, <laughs> titrate up. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you guys man. for watching. Catch y'all later. Bye bye. Have a good afternoon, guys.